0: Welcome to Tech Breakfast. Today's top headlines served hot by your host, Aaron Buley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. All right, it is Friday, May 15th on the show with us today. We've got Nick Cordy, Solutions Engineer at VMware. You can find him on Twitter at NetworkNerd underscore and he also does the Network Nerd blog, blog.thenetworknerd.com and the Nerd Journey podcast. Dang, that's a lot of things going on, Nick. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh,
1: I sleep sometimes, I'm heavily caffeinated most times.
0: There you go. Awesome. How are you doing, Tyler?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, I, I, too, am heavily caffeinated. I feel like I'm working slow on my coffee this morning, and I'm sure that's shameful to Nick, who is quite the connoisseur of the coffee.
1: But, Probably need uh, some, I'm excited to have you on the show, man.
2: I need some guacamole to power your day. That is the way to start the day. I had, some what? Uh, queso? <laughs>
1: what would you say? <laughs> guacamole, if, if gua you're Tyler. Okay. It's
2: where you take the guacamole and the queso and you mix oh. them together. For so you the guys know joy that is guac queso. Yeah, we yeah. go way back.
1: I saw Tyler <laughs> do this once, and I've never let it <laughs> let it slide. He makes guacamole and queso to Mexican place, and I just said, "What are you doing?
2: It's it's a culinary delight." It look pretty, look pretty gross. I bet Nick doesn't know what he's missing out
0: on. Yeah, oh yeah, it
1: looks it looks awful.
2: It's like you know, <laughs>
1: Ghostbusters don't cross the streams.
0: So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, what news are y'all looking at? And I saw a lot of stuff. Um, Nick, you want to
2: kick us off with something you found? or you want? How
1: about the Grand Theft Auto free download that crashed the Epic Game Store?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Within uh,
1: minutes of making the game free online, the swell of demand caused the site to go slow and send error messages. That's, they, that's just great. They had platform stability through? issues. I guess not.
0: It's I like when Disney just- Plus launched. And it didn't work for like the first week because they were like, eh, not that many people like Disney.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's what they were thinking. I I think it'd be interesting if they came out ahead of it and they were like, yeah, we did the analysis. You're going to break the internet. Um, but we're not going to build the system out to handle that spike because it's going to happen once and it's going to last like four hours. So break Ahoy and then it'll get back to normal. or Or if it's just totally i don't know what's gonna happen could be 10 users could be 10 million let's find out
0: <laughs> Jeez. it's such a successful franchise i don't understand why they wouldn't expect that maybe they need no. to roll it out slower you, you know go. by you know geographic regions or something no, like that or... that implies so it, it's that only on what's gonna happen so but it's not free on steam it's only free no. where it said
2: epic games games
0: okay
1: yeah it says it. I, the offer runs through May twenty first.
0: Yeah.
2: So it's still there. Mm, there you go. Go break it again.
0: Yeah, because it, yeah. it was just announced yesterday, and I was you know seeing all kinds of memes about people that had just paid sixty bucks for it, and then they <laughs> <laughs> released it for free oh, no. like an hour later. It was kind of fun.
2: Uh, did I feel like I I had a recent conversation about the Epic Game Store, and I can't remember if it was actually on the podcast with Russ or if it was off podcast, but. Um, Epic has been making uh, quite a few pushes to sort of um, detach themselves from Steam, and and because they've got some really powerful franchises, they're actually seeing some success. Maybe it was with Russ. He was talking about stuff like Fortnite and um, and how their kind of storefront. Yeah, it was definitely be, Russ. Basically, yeah. Our esports um,
0: field correspondent. It was Russ. That's
2: right. That's I feel like he should be here today. He's not here.
0: So it still shows as twenty nine ninety nine on Steam. So I I don't know. I guess you get it free on some platforms, but maybe that was smart. Maybe some of the rollout went out. Um, Well, this is part of the Epic Games
1: mystery game. Every week they make one available without charge on their store. Mm. So I
0: guess
1: people just got lucky and, you know, maybe the bandwidth
2: wasn't as much as they thought. Okay. I don't know. Well, I'm downloading that today, even though I don't ever make time to play games anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Seems like the right thing to do when it's free. Cost savings idea, right? Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Yeah. Price per ounce, man. If it's free, download it. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, Apple acquires startup NextVR that broadcasts VR content. I don't know if y'all saw that, but uh, this seems like a big turbo boost into VR. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious
2: about that, because I, I read through the article, or at least one of the articles, I'm sure there were many, but, um, you know, uh, obviously NextVR had a lot of content delivery that seemed to be sort of their claim to fame, is that they already had deals with uh, sports broadcasting and stuff like that, which is cool. But Apple's had some VR efforts that have been around for a while, and they seem to be just dying on the vine. Um, so I was kind of surprised to see the acquisition um, without life being breathed into some of the other projects. Um, But at the end of one of the articles that I was reading, it just talked about the sheer volume of uh, augmented and mixed reality developers that Apple's been hiring. So they're obviously serious about this. Yeah. Uh, So that's pretty cool. Does this mean the
1: iPhone 13 will be rolled out in VR? So I just get this small chip implanted in me and my phone is in virtual reality and I just
2: see it? I don't that's, know. That's brilliant. Yep. It, it, just it'll hold be, your hand it'll out be a $900, $900 virtual device. Yeah. Which right. is a huge savings over the one that you actually get to put your hands on.
0: Yes, a $900 so download. It's a good deal.
2: But it's, it's the also cheapest virtual to phone track available me. on the market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, and, and they're also working on um, some AR glasses as well. Yeah it talked about, which will be interesting to see. I think we have to go through several iterations of this. Um, we're just kind of at the start of all this. Um, I think so
2: too. I, but I think cool. everybody knows that the wearables and the next generation of wearables, which are going to be, I'm sure more focused on the augmented and mixed reality space. Uh, though That's probably that tipping point where everybody's got to have it. And it's not just a, you know, a fancy watch or anything like that. It, it does a lot more for you. So it brings a lot more value. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of projected market spaces to get into there. So it makes sense that companies that make stuff like that already are getting into it. I'm sure Google is as well, right? This will
1: be like the virtual appliance in the iPhone industry, you know, when firewalls and stuff began to go to virtual appliance on a, on a host, it'll be a virtual phone.
2: They'll stop selling Apple fire TVs and you'll just get your glasses and so like they you're the hypervisor familiar. from
0: different rooms. <laughs> you're the hypervisor. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Apps on human. Uh, so next VR. This this is kind of cool. They apparently already have deals with sports leagues, um, like the NBA, and uh, a deal with Fox Sports, and mm. um, they've got expertise in live streaming for concerts and all kinds of stuff. So it'd be interesting. Uh, looks like yeah. the acquisition was a hundred million dollars, which Seems kind of sure cheap these days. I'm sure there's
2: nothing to Apple. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously seems it's nothing super, to Apple, but yeah. that's
1: a C-level resource on staff, right?
2: <laughs> it is for them. Okay.
0: Wow. Saw this other bit of news. Um, we were talking a lot about Chrome yesterday. There's an announcement this morning. Starting in August, Chrome will start blocking ads that consume 4 megs of network data. 15 seconds of CPU usage in any 30 second period or 60 seconds of total CPU usage.
2: That's cool. I wonder if that's to just get around stuff like that crypto mining malwares and things like that or if it's just a move in general to say ads shouldn't be taking up this much bandwidth, get rid of it.
0: Yeah, well, it might be, I think Chrome tends to take a lot of flack for being resource heavy. Maybe this is part of it, right? So it, it helps keep Chrome lighter weight. Sure. And lightly, I think that's reasonable
2: lighter. as well. If uh, You've got to assume a, a giant like Google in the advertising industry and delivering that sort of content has a pretty good idea of what reasonable is for the size of a payload and the amount of compute necessary to deliver it. So kind of putting gates around that is, I would imagine, a pretty smart thing to do to prevent all sorts of potential issues, right? The zero-to-exploits that, that take advantage of... Chrome through stuff like that, I imagine just, just sandboxing ads and limiting that capability is probably also a security feature.
1: And if they open source this list or, or publicize the algorithm, somehow I can put it in my pie hole and block these ads on any browser. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's
0: immediately what I was thinking about. So you, you guys both have that, right? Yeah. Yes, Uh, indeed. Awesome. I like it.
1: My wife doesn't like it when it blocks something, though. Yeah. I just showed my
2: wife how to whitelist stuff, and I go in there and I prune whitelists that have no business being there. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. My wife's actually awesome about it. I set it up for my mom. She's the one that'll whitelist like an obvious malicious link and and she'll do it because she's like i saw the link uh, it was an ad i wanted to click it i wanted to go through that to buy the thing oh, it's that's like true. mom just google the thing you want and she's like no i was like <laughs> okay it's still it's, i guess it's better than you know if one, one out of 100 i'll take it right <laughs>
1: oh man speaking of malicious links <laughs> Apparently, the phishing campaigns around COVID are going crazy, especially in the financial industry. I don't know if you follow Mimecast, but they published an article about the South African Banking Risk Information Center, and they were warning customers about increasing its phishing scams. So people are getting manipulated into clicking on links about fake COVID-19 vaccines, hand sanitizers and masks, and then
2: asked to hand over personal data. Mm -hmm. That stuff just makes my blood boil. I I hate it. I hate when humans take advantage of other humans and this is just like so many other cases where you have people who either are feeling desperate or or just want some extra level of comfort and it's such an easy avenue for so many people to you know get in and it sucks and I hate it
0: yeah always keep your guard up you know I I mean I'm at the level now where I'll even be working I'll end up working with my bank on something because there's some sort of you know something happens there's a notification a fraud or whatever or a potential notification but I actually did buy it and they're asking me for information that I'm like hmm I don't know about yeah, that let's I'm hang out let me call you back or whatever you know or let's go this other route or I want you to verify some things for me first before I verify things you know so, yeah
2: well and you know what that, that's it's funny that brings up a, an anecdote that I have from a while ago and I, I, I may have shared this with you but um, I, I was in it. it was a weird situation, but I was actually in the car with somebody who um, got a phone call from the FBI related to a breach. Um, but the the phone call was suspect in like the worst ways, right? Yeah. Like there was no way to verify who this person was or that right. they were saying what they were saying. They were, it was about a cybercrime.
0: And it comes so from an unknown they, number
2: they were asking to like come into the office and I'm like, look, I'm not that sophisticated, but no, I'm not just going to invite you to come and hang out in my wifi zone. Right? Like that's, that seems wrong. And why would you just call someone and start making these suggestions? And they're like, no, I promise I'm the FBI here. Google me. And I'm like, Dude, really? (laughs) Everything you're walking me through right now makes no sense. You're like, I'm in the field office in Georgia and my name is John Bob. And it's like, oh, sure enough. If you Google John Bob in Carolina or whatever, Georgia, he shows up and I'm like, I'm sorry, this this does not help me with comfort (laughs) levels. So I'm calling you fake and hopefully that doesn't get me arrested. Turns out it was totally legit um, and there was an actual legitimate issue. Um, and, and I don't know how they worked it out later uh, that the individual I was with is not nearly as skeptical as I was. But I was just like, you got to have a better system for making you legitimate because it just helps fishers and hackers in general if legitimate sources are that uh, just haphazard yeah. about asking for information that is risky to give. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was
1: absurd to me does this mean i shouldn't believe the calls that say my social security <laughs> number was disabled <laughs> right. or deactivated, disabled? What does de-activated? That even mean? i think it was i don't know
0: <laughs> what does that even mean i don't know You've but someone told me that
1: they were doing it so i should just believe them right
2: i only know one way to disable a social security number and it's way more violent than a phone call
1: <laughs> don't do it tyler just okay don't do it. <laughs> i'm
2: not sure anymore yeah, yes the day of the week well hey uh we mentioned um uh millionaires what 100 million for the acquisition right so i guess tesla's million mile battery is uh nearing on the horizon and um i've i've heard about this before i've heard some hints at it right that's sort of the expected tipping point for um the long-term cost and care of the batteries and electric vehicles bringing the total cost of ownership better in line with uh vehicles running with internal combustion engines right um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I often forget how much effort Tesla in particular, but lots of companies uh, kind of on the bleeding edge are putting into uh, battery research and, and production as well. Cause the article specifically mentioned reducing production costs to again, further shrink the divide for total cost of ownership. I, that, that's exciting for me because uh, what, you know, Paul was talking to us about how close it already is with the model three, like bring it on.
0: Yeah. Uh so it makes me wonder like the current Model 3 what's the what's the distance rating?
2: Uh I, well yeah I don't know if total life distance rating. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's it's the it's the total life of the battery and and I don't yeah. know the answer but obviously less than a million miles. Well
0: yeah. let's
1: go to tires next. Give me a million mile tires to go with my million <laughs> mile
0: battery and brake pads. Yeah. There you go. Uh, But yeah, so it just popped up in the article that you dropped in there. So it says the million mile battery would use low cobalt and cobalt free battery chemistries, since cobalt is what drives up EV battery prices. And that the new ones would also use, quote, chemical additives, materials and coatings that will reduce internal stress and enable batteries to store more energy for longer periods. Yeah, that's that cool. I,
2: I catch, uh, and I, I haven't seen one lately or we probably would have brought it up, but I will catch um, battery tech news every once in a while in like futurology and stuff like that. And uh, some of the sort of the real bleeding edge of that where it's you know, scientists and researchers that are publishing stuff, it's phenomenal. Some of the, if we can scale some of the technologies that they've gotten to work on, on smaller scales just think you know 100x capacities more rapid charging off the chart stuff like yeah there, there's so much we can still do in that space
0: um, oh for sure for sure so. uh, do either of y'all have um solar power roofs or batteries at all like that in your house not yet no not yet. sure no knocking on my door about that and uh we uh went over and met some neighbors that have it and yeah i probably need to go spend some time over there asking some questions and whatnot but
2: I look at it every year.
0: But that's it. Yeah. Well, so I was asking them because what I thought happened is uh, that you actually get paid by the power company. But what what the reality they said, and it's probably different, you know, power company to power company, is you build up credits. And then if you ever use more power than what you're providing for yourself, then you dig into the power company. And then they allow you to use power based on the credits you have. But they'll never pay you.
2: Well, it depends on the region, right? and that might be the way texas works it doesn't work that way everywhere some places don't give you even credits right like there is no no benefit of giving back to the system because they can already produce that but i've I've, i i look into solar probably once once a year once every two years just to see if the tipping points there and the break even is close enough on the horizon plus the good feels to make it make sense but um i've got into some of that where it's just you know, in our area, like you said, it's the credit based systems and I think that's Texas law.
0: Okay. Well, and sorry, let me correct one thing about that. They did say if you change power companies or move, right, then they will pay you out based on the credits oh. you have. Yeah.
2: So, Dude, I change power companies every six months, it feels like so. <laughs> <laughs> Such a loyal customer, Tyler. Yes. Yes. Because their service is so extraordinarily special as a power delivery company. Not messing up my billing is not a reason to stay with somebody.
0: All right, what else are y'all seeing? (laughs) What else are y'all seeing? (laughs)
2: Um, I saw that Google and Zillow both joined Facebook and I I guess there are a couple others on the um, work from home until 2021 uh, bandwagon. So um, they're not not going back. And that has uh, some interesting impacts because that's quite a few large Bay Area companies uh, lots of folks are saying, "Well, shoot! If I can do this from anywhere, why am I paying Bay Area rents to do it from here?" And so there, I've seen a few articles. I don't think I put them in the notes, but um, just talking about uh, an expectation that smaller cities are going to see a, a housing boom, um, and some of the bigger, more expensive cities, Manhattan included, are going to to feel some hurt related to people saying, "Ooh, I like space and you know, <laughs> lower rent."
1: Does that yeah. mean they're gonna try to move to Texas also?
2: Probably.
0: Yeah.
1: Probably. That's a shame. But what Ooh, if we, that
0: was? Oh, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, what if we go all the way over to India for a second? It wouldn't be any fun if we couldn't talk about COVID for a second. There's a controversial <laughs> COVID contract or contact tracing app that uses your Bluetooth and location data, and the Prime Minister is basically saying, "Hey, you should use it. They don't make it mandatory, but He's urging everyone to download it. It's actually been mandatory for people living in containment zones and for all government and private sector employees. It is not open source like software such as this in the UK. Just thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, I hadn't heard the Indian news on that. It's been interesting to see how um, you know different countries have been reacting to that and how they design it. Some of them centralized, some of them decentralized. Um, some of them working with technology companies, some of them developing it themselves yeah
2: i look forward to sort of like a a deep dive into sort of like an investigative reporting perspective on how all of the contract chasing and how different countries actually handled this whether it was through mandate or or sort of urging the citizens to do it and just some of the different approaches to trying to mitigate this or not mitigate it in some cases Um, But but seeing it all cleaned up afterwards, because it's so hard to get good data and clean it up in real time with some of this stuff. And I'm not sure we'll even know what the impacts are for a long time. But, you know, uh, some of the first news I saw about contact tracing came out of uh, South Korea and they, they weren't really using it app per se, which is super creepy in some ways, they were literally taking data that was already available based on, you know, your cell phone data and cameras here and there and stuff like that. And they were able to trace back weeks of contact. And that's part of how they kind of locked down where infection was so quick and so, so clean, if you will. Um, and I, obviously a lot of societies don't have that. It was very effective on the pandemic, but what, what do they give up to have that happen and then yeah i i'm i'm looking forward to some of what i'm sure will be 100 page articles digging into this stuff what yeah crazy
1: times
0: sorry i just saw an article that says huge mysterious list appears online of where people met personal information and more of tens of millions
1: <laughs> yay <laughs> Get used to it. That's
0: basically huge, what we're signing up for. <laughs> right? I don't think this is related to that, but he just said sure. a huge, uh, huge data dump. Breach includes almost 90 oh, gigs man. of people's personal data, including details of where they've been and uh, people they've met. So you can uh, buy
1: this on the dark web along with past passwords from breaches, yeah, right? Exactly. So you can get more phishing email. Okay. You can add, be, you can add yeah.
2: more location data to your rainbow table for the equivalent of that. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I saw that uh, Jeff Bezos is projected to be the world's first trillionaire by 2026. Trillionaire. That's That's insane. mind-blowingly large.
0: For Have me. you ever looked at the comparison between like a thousand, a million, a billion, and a trillion dollars? Oh, uh, there was what? a guy that did it based off of rice, like piles yeah. of, of rice cool. uh, Greens. It will blow your mind.
2: Uh, you know what, I, there's actually, I'm going to see if I can find this um, while we chat here because I shared it with my, my family a while ago. I don't think there he was, did
0: the trillion. I don't think he counted it, out a trillion. <laughs> it it he, was. That would take a little while. Yeah.
2: There, there. It's a side-scrolling, yeah, two-scale, like pixel-by-pixel pixel show of kind of like world wealth and all of the things that... Uh, rolling up different costs, building up to some of the wealthiest individuals in the world. And then all of the wealthiest individuals in the world compared to that stuff, but it's just a side scroller, right? So for like 15 minutes, you're just dragging across your phone and you're carrying on and it just gives you this hopeless sense of how big a trillion dollars in personal wealth really is. And then, uh, you know, it, it goes into quite a few other things, but, um, it was really interesting. And I'm gonna see if I can find the, find the link and shout it out. But uh, yeah, that, that stuff, uh, I love numbers that you can't really imagine. And I think trillion's one of those interesting ones where people are starting to think like, yeah, I have a feeling about what that means because I hear it in the news a lot, but you mm-hmm. just don't. Like trillion, especially in dollars or, or from a currency perspective is such an enormous sum that you really just can't appreciate it, right?
0: Yeah. Well, we're running out of time here. Um, there's one little, th- one last thing I wanted to, uh, to cover here, unless y'all have anything else that we can cover quickly. Uh, I think we all have a hard stop here in just a second, but just saw a news also on Reuters. Just saw a news, did I say that? Just saw news. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, so the US moves to cut Huawei off from global chip suppliers. Mm, uh, so yeah, I saw that too. Friday. Yeah, they moved to block shipments of semiconductors to Huawei, from global chip makers in an action that could ramp up tensions with China, and then there was a, what I'll call you know kind of a, a sister article. Um, where was that at? So the U.S. is courting Intel and TSMC to build advanced chip fabs on U.S. soil as well. So
2: yeah, I had seen that one the other day. That's uh, I I think that's that's just smart in general. I think the economic reliance on chip production and the supply chain and that is something that I think just about every country needs to kind of figure out and make sure that they have a secure supply chain um, any disruption to that sort of stuff is massively disruption to or massively disruptive to so many different industries it's just good practice you know
1: yeah, yeah. all part of the DR plan how about that news about Foxconn hitting an all time profit low
0: Ouch. yeah they're down 89% chain. year over year or something it's, wow. it's it's pretty heavy, but reduced demands uh, from China.
1: Well, reduced demands for smartphones okay. and in the consumer space, but they seem to see an uptick in enterprise computing units now. I didn't really know that they put their boards in a lot of enterprise units, but hey, we'll see how it goes. Makes sure you miss the white box Foxconn
0: boards.
2: <laughs> All All right, right, I got one of, short one. Oh, go uh,
0: Foxconn's earnings come out today. Ooh,
2: we did, we missed. We, we haven't done uh, Financial Fridays. We're going to have to do that again maybe next week and uh, pick up some of the few that we missed. But
0: uh, All right, get your last I, thing in. We got one minute Yeah, left. I got
2: one more thing. Um, so the U.S. Air Force is sending the X-37B low-orbit research vessel up in space for 10 years. Um, and most of the research that it's going to be doing is um, uh, classified military research, so there's not a lot known about it. But uh, I thought this was fun. They're, they're actually testing a small-scale version of what, what we talked about, uh, I think, on our May 11th episode, Bui, the uh, microwave solar power. No way. So, so they have a smaller than a pizza box. Um, they call it like a sandwich module, basically, that is a satellite that is designed to harvest energy from the sun and fire it back with, with microwaves. Um, so Wait, it's the actually satellite the, is that first, size? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the first proof of concept of that technology. And so people are really excited about it. So sure enough, they're going to kick it up there. It's tiny. It's not even going to be able to produce enough electricity and pump it back to, to light a light bulb, but it will prove out the ability okay. to solve some of the big problems, which the biggest of which is uh, the disparity in temperatures between the sun facing surface, which is expected to be around 300 degrees Fahrenheit and then the non-sun-facing surface, which is expected to be a few degrees away from absolute zero, Whoa. so
1: that's it, a science
2: guy. If i ever heard like, it. If, if I remember <laughs> correctly, is the joke. Yeah, ha 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 ha. Uh, you know what, Kelvin, right? So it's negative two hundred and seventy-three point three or something yeah. like that degrees Fahrenheit is, is the near is absolute zero, right? So that's a five hundred degree disparity. And over a couple of inches. So you think insane. about material science, that's a, that's a yeah. huge issue to deal with. But how cool is that?
0: You think they're using sr 71 a Blackbird engineers? <laughs> okay, we got to shut this down. This was a <laughs> jam-packed episode. I loved it. Nick, great having you on, man. Anything Thanks else? Thanks for you on having plot? me, guys.
1: Uh, no, just hit me up on Twitter at nerd underscore. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks for joining us, Nick. This was tons of fun. We'd love to have you back one day. And that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if there's any news we missed, general feedback, or if you want to come join us on the show, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Join us. Follow us. We love
0: you guys. Booyah. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> Booyah a thing you now. It. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Bye. <laughs>